Disrupting Japan, Episode 97. Disrupting Japan is sponsored by Justa. Now, I've known the team at Justa for years, and I've been recommending them long before they became a sponsor. Justa is really the only recruiting site that gets bilingual startups. Whether you're looking for American engineers or Japanese sales staff or the other way around, Justa can help you out. Unlike recruiting companies, they are priced to be very startup friendly, and unlike job boards, they're an active part of the startup community here, and they're trusted by some of the best talent Japan has to offer. So drop by justa.io and see what they're about. Welcome to Disrupting Japan, straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. Japanese startups have trouble pivoting. Business and social conventions make it really hard. Once the team, the company, or the country has committed to a certain path, with Japan's consensus driven approach to decision making and the importance placed on maintaining social harmony, it makes it very hard for an individual to stand up and say, Hey, everyone. I think we're on the wrong path here. Business convention in Japan requires you to simply pitch in and pull your weight. This is one of the reasons that Japanese companies, particularly the large enterprises, are so susceptible to disruption. But some Japanese startups have been able to pivot their way through multiple business models and into a successful IPO. And those are the ones that we need to study. To find out how they did it. And today, Shogo Kawada, co founder of DNA, takes us through the exciting story of one such case study. We talk about why DNA was able to pivot relatively easily from auctions to commerce to mobile gaming, but why it was unable to make the jump from web auctions to mobile auctions. Or from early mobile gaming to smartphone based mobile gaming. We discuss the core reason for the problem and examine possible solutions. And we also talk about the rise of angel investors in Japan and how they've changed the way investing works here. But you know, Shogo tells that story much better than I can. So let's hear from our sponsor and get right to the interview. Some of Japan's largest companies are starting open innovation programs and actively reaching out to global startups. They're new at this, and that's where Crew, with two W's, comes in. Crew runs corporate startup accelerators for companies like Toyota and Panasonic and dozens more, and these programs are one of the best ways to jumpstart your business in Japan. Many are open to global startups, and they're completely free. Now, I've known and worked with the Crew team. And they're probably doing more than anyone to bridge the gap between corporate Japan and global startups. So drop by crew with two W's dot ME slash four hyphen startups and get started. So I'm sitting here with Shogo Kawada, the co founder of DNA. And thanks for sitting down with me. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm sure most of our listeners know DNA. It, it was one of the most important gaming startups of the dot com generation. And you founded it with Tomoko Namba in 1999. And you've become one of the most active angel investors in Japan now. So before we dig into 
current investment trends in Japan. I want to back up a bit and talk a little about you and DNA. Basically, we started DNA as a e-commerce company. Our first target is a PC-based auction service. Okay. In 1999. So originally, the idea was to compete with Yahoo Auctions and eBay. Yes, exactly. When we started at that time, there is no Yahoo Auction. Yes, there exists already eBay in U.S. market, but there is no C2C big market in Japan. That was a very interesting time for auctions in Japan because eBay very famously delayed their launch in Japan. Yeah. It, it yeah, took a yeah. yes, long yes, time yes, to yes, launch. Yes. In the meantime, Yahoo Auctions launched pretty quickly. Yeah. But DNA was before them. Why, why didn't DNA dominate that market instead of Yahoo? Uh, because uh, when we planned to start a business, we had some uh, alliance with Recruit and Sony. Uh, in 1999, Liquid was a very strong in the inter- internet area. Also, Sony was very, you know, still at that time more energized company. Yeah, <laughs> at that yeah. time, you know, in two th- in 99, Sony was an incredibly powerful yes. brand. So we used their customer base <laughs> to, you know, uh, start our C to C market. But in the September. Yahoo started, and they uh, used their strong traffic into their new started C2C market. So it was just that you didn't have enough of a lead yeah. to, to build up a market yeah. before Yahoo yeah, came yeah. in. So Yahoo was uh, Yahoo auction was a C2C number one market at that time. Uh, we chased so long time, but still. They got further and further ahead. Number so, one market. What made you decide to pivot to gaming? Because C2C market, uh, winner takes all. Right. So Yahoo is profitable, but we had a very serious time. So we decided to do business in uh, also the shopping area, shopping mall area. So we uh, made our uh, C2C market and we made profitable, but not so strongly profitable. <laughs> At that time, you know, 2003, there is no iPhone, right. no smartphone. So everybody did not believe that, uh, you know, people buy something through mobile phone. But as you know, in Japan, there are uh, iMode. Right. I was saying, at that point, Japan was so far ahead of the rest of the yes, world. Yes, exactly. In, although I've got to say, most of the e-commerce were things like ringtones yeah. and, and small virtual purchases. Yes, yes. And at that time, but basically, they did the business with, uh, you know, monthly subscribe the contents. So very simple business model. But there is no, almost no e-commerce. And uh, at that time, there is a kind of, you know, just the physical bottles, <laughs> small physical bottles right. come here. So every IT business people and uh, every entrepreneurs 
did not believe that,、uh, you know, people can input their name and address through this you know, It was small a, product. <laughs> definitely a difficult interface to use. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, for example, young Japanese women's high school students use feature phone, the mobile phone, kind of the acrobatic skill. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yes. So, they put very long, you know, mail. And、uh, after that, I found that even using that button, they can you know, write a novel. <laughs> yeah. So I found that kind of fact. So we made a quite new C2C market in 2003. So DNA was, was first to market, had a good product, a solid user base in peer to peer marketplace on mobile. And yet when the iPhones, Uh, became popular,、yeah. Mercari took the lead. Why, why do you think? I mean, it's a different technology, a、mm-hmm, different platform, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the same business.、Mm-hmm. Why do you think DNA wasn't able to capture that market yeah, on the new yeah, platform? Yeah, that was a problem. So basically, I don't know, but、uh, the DNA's、uh, mobile auction market is basically based on the subscription model. That was used in the, you know, iMode or like, a, you know, old style mobile phone infrastructure. Right, right. With very, very limited billing options and yes, payment options. Yes, yes. And that is totally different from the smartphone. Basically, Yahoo auction cannot come to the mobile and same. The old style mobile internet cannot. Get into the you know, smartphone business. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's something we see a lot. So, when you look at companies like, say, IBM or Intel, and you say, oh, well, they, you know, okay, Intel was really smart and they got out of memories to focus on CPUs at the right time, but they, they missed the big shift into mobile CPUs. You're talking about gaps of 20 years.、Mm-hmm. But these cycles were really fast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, they were only five or ten years apart. Yeah, yeah. Still had some of the same people in place. There were very smart people at these companies that saw it. So you just think the, the company itself, <laughs> the, the processes and the way of doing things became so strong that they couldn't change? Maybe another aspect is that、uh, Mercury gets a lot of money, tens of millions. Tens of millions. Tens、yeah. of millions, they get some money. Right. That big risk taking. For DNA, yes, they are you know, making a profit hundreds of million yearly. But for them, tens of million investment is big. So they don't want to put their main business at risk. Yes. Maybe it's a difficult decision to, you know, at that time, invest all the tens of million in, in mobile, or, market. mobile market. <laughs> well, let's talk a bit about DNA's. Growth in gaming. So, after the success in the mobile, the peer to peer markets, what drove DNA into gaming? At that time, we found that、uh, there is a big hidden market. They are using the mobile phone to access to internet. But it seems the same pattern repeated in gaming、mm-hmm. as in peer to peer e commerce.、Mm-hmm. The strong gaming companies like、uh, Nintendo、yeah. and Sega.、Mm-hmm. Did not successfully make it into web gaming or mobile gaming.、Mm-hmm. And when the iPhone 
and later the Google App Store was introduced, yeah, yeah. that changed the market again. Yeah. So the distributors didn't have so much power anymore. And companies like DNA were not able to make that shift. So it seems that, and, and actually it's not just DNA. I mean, we're talking about DNA because, you know, you're here with us. Yeah. But it, Across the board, it seems that even when these technological disruptions happen in five or ten years, mm -hmm. companies have a hard time making that transition. Yeah. yeah. So from comp console to web mobile, mm -hmm. and then from uh, web mobile to the to the smartphone. Yeah. Yeah. Almost no companies made those transitions. Mm. Yes. 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 So it's very difficult for every company. Yeah. yeah. Why is it so hard? Uh, because the platform is changing. So, situation is, seems to be stable as an investor viewpoint. Because mm. everybody uses smartphone, but uh, every internet business player believes that next platform innovation will come. So, they're preparing for virtual reality or mixed reality. Or so, do you think <laughs> um, next time these companies will be more ready for it? Yeah. Or do you think there'll be the same problem? They'll be able to see the risk but still won't be able to put their core business at, at risk. Some company, they are very, you know, good at the uh, smartphone business. Yeah. I think they also face such kind of the dilemma. Yeah. So as an investor, it's always smart to bet on the startups yeah. taking advantage of a new technology rather than the strong players. Mm -hmm. How should companies protect themselves from that? What would your advice be to... Nintendo, or what is your advice to companies like DNA to like, how do we survive the next one? Uh, a difficult question. <laughs> An important one, though. I need a question. I need an answer. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we shifted from the, you know, PC commerce to mobile commerce, mobile commerce to mobile gaming. Okay. So do not, you know, relax on that, you know, big chair. Okay. Let's shift to startups for a minute. After the DNA IPO, you ended up leaving the company and spending most of your time working with startups and have become one of the most active angel investors in Japan today. You were an early investor in Wantedly, Tokyo Otaku Mode, Material World, Smart News. A lot of these companies have been on the show, and a lot of them have, have become some of the real stars of Japan's startup world. So both in terms of deal flow and evaluation, how did you meet these founders so early? And basically, basically uh, introduction. Because I started kind of the angel investing in 2008. At that time, there is very quite limited number of angel investors in Japan. So just by being early. Yeah. So they found you. So, exactly. <laughs> Well, that's a good situation to be in, to be able to pick out the best. Yeah. And at that time, there already exists some, you know, venture capital. Right? But for them, very early startup is too early. Right, right. So some venture capital also introduced some early stage company. Also, many star player startups was started by the good engineers or good entrepreneurs. Japanese entrepreneur world is very small. Yeah, getting bigger. Yeah, getting bigger. <laughs> getting bigger, but at that time, smaller. So everybody can access to me. <laughs> so a lot of it's just being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. But 
things have certainly changed over the last seven years. Mm-hmm. In Japan, angel investors had traditionally been doctors or lawyers or yeah, yeah, yeah. not really business people, yeah, but yeah. people who have money. And that's, that's really changing. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more angels investing. There's a lot more investments being made. So startup investment in Japan was up 20% last year. Now, what's funny, in every country in the world, in almost any market conditions, startups are always complaining that VCs aren't investing enough, and VCs are always complaining that the investments are far too expensive. Mm-hmm. But in your opinion, what, what's the balance like now? For good startups, uh, they can you know, choose the investors. <laughs> and not so good uh, startups, it's difficult to you know, find the investments. <laughs> In my feeling, good startup is limited, but lots of money. <laughs> okay, so right now there's a little, there's there's more money than there are yeah. good startups. So we must you know create more you know startups. Okay. When I talk to Japanese startup founders yeah. about what's missing or what can be improved in the startup ecosystem, the most common response is more angel investing. Oh, more angel investors. And I understand that from a startup's point of view, but from an angel investor's point of view in Japan, mm-hmm. what do you see as the value you really add to a startup? Yeah, I can do every aspect of the support to the startups. For example, if you know they are you know annoying about the, you know developing a system, I can support. They are annoying about the sales, I can support because. I had uh, the experience of the sales manager. So do you think the founders need more strategic advice or is it just they need advice from someone who's done it before and can say, no, no, don't worry, that'll be, that'll be okay? Both. Yeah? Both. Both. Everything. Uh, you know, for investing, we have uh, some meeting with investor and, uh, you know, entrepreneurs. Of course, investor checks entrepreneur, but also entrepreneur check investors. Mm. So, in my experience, the good entrepreneur say that I'm okay. <laughs> so okay. maybe I'm okay. <laughs> as as a longtime entrepreneur in Japan, I can tell you the idea of the entrepreneur checking the investor is a new development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, for good entrepreneurs and uh, good business plan, many investors want to invest on. Mm. So they have the options. They can choose the investors. Venture capital in Japan has always been dominated by corporate VC. Mm. Has the increase in the number of angel investors like yourself, has that changed the behavior of corporate VC at all? It's a little bit changing, I feel. In Japan, 20 years ago, there was only the, you know, big financial groups, group company was venture capital. But for example, now, for example, Globis, Globis is a kind of, you know, independent type of the venture capitals. So their partner is, you know, like, uh, you know, US venture capitals partners. Right. Almost right. same, same structure. Okay. So such kind of the, you know, independent venture capital's number is growing. One of the fairly unique and I consider unfortunate aspects of venture capital in Japan is that most of the time the investment committees at VC firms are all people with a financial background. Ah, yes, exactly. But it's very rare to find an entrepreneur or someone with operational yeah, experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Is that changing or is that pretty much the same? In my feeling, a little bit changing because some, you know, entrepreneurs go join the, uh, for example, Globis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in the Globis, there is an you know, ex-entrepreneur people. <laughs> so situation is a little bit, little bit, little bit changing. Okay. But, uh, you know, my current situation is, as you say, financial background people is main. So the traditional VCs are still very traditional with being run by uh, finance people, but there's a lot of new VC companies that are changing the market as a whole. And I suppose in another seven or 10 years, if the VCs with uh, entrepreneurs involved are producing better returns, yeah, yeah, the yeah. market will shift. But the, the number is still limited, still mainly financial guy. But, uh, you know, that's not so bad because when the company gets you know, big investment, we need financial technology. So the you know, financial knowledge is one of the most important things for venture capital. Another social shift I see, and this is so important in developing a large number of angels in Japan, but traditionally... People who founded companies and took them through IPO, in Japan, the goal was to kind of run the company until they died or retired and turned it over to their their children. That seems to be changing. Yeah. And in your case, what made you decide to retire from DNA or become an advisor and spend your time working with startups rather than the traditional path of staying in the company? For that, I have a long story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, actually, before starting DNA, when I was a university student, we and my friend struggled to start our own business. It was late 1980s and early 1990s. So at that time, Japanese, you know, financial situation is very old style. There is no risk money. So it is very difficult to, you know, gather risk money right and also there is no internet so it's difficult to you know make a difference using a technology or like that so i decided so i uh, you know proceeded to the graduate school but my friends uh continued to you know the trial and uh in 1991 to 1996 i spent my time in the graduate school where I met internet. So I surprised the potential of the internet. So at that time I decided someday I will do business in the internet. But I felt that Japan is not a country of the capitalism. <laughs> it's a kind of country of the socialism or, you know, very well-made commune. I, I know exactly what you mean. I, I think that Historically, Japan might be the one country where communism would have worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was capitalist, but it was this weird top-down, controlled, yeah. collaborative capitalism. Yes, exactly. So I found that the most important things Japan should have is investor, capitalist. So at that time, I decided in some day I will become a capitalist and I will invest to the, you know, young energy and the technology. So your goal was not to build a company and run it forever. Your goal was to be an investor, and the company was just a means to do that? 
No, no, no. I, I also like to, you know, do business. So I enjoy to, you know, starting DNA and, you know, growing DNA. But when I was 38 or 39 years old, I met very young engineers. At that time,、uh, in US, iPhone is released. But at that time, there is no iPhone in Japan. But we met around 10 people and、uh, seven people of 10. They had iPhone already. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. And they also starting to use that. A surprise. <laughs> wow. Just at how fast、wow. it was moving. So at that time, I found that、uh, it's too late to start investment when I became 50. <laughs> you think by that time you just wouldn't understand the new technology? Yeah. So I decided to do that. It was 10 years ago. Among other angels you've talked to, Has their motivations been similar to yours? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. So, they are the entrepreneur also had some problem to seeking angel investors. So, now many entrepreneurs start to invest on the new companies. It's fantastic and it's amazing how fast it's grown in just、mm. 10 years ago. There was、yeah. nothing really. Now, both of us were around for the 2000.com. Bubble、yeah. here. A lot of people are saying this is another startup bubble,、mm-hmm. but to me it feels different than 2000 did.、Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing a genuine ecosystem develop here. And to what extent do you think that the changes we've seen are permanent and sustainable? And to what extent do you think that we're at risk of another bubble and Everything resetting to the way it was 15 years ago. Yeah,、uh, yeah, basically, bubble is a kind of cyclic phenomenon, so sometime going to happen again. But do you think、uh, it's going to reset? It'll, it'll go down, but do you think it's going to reset? So, for example, after the 2000 bubble, there was just nothing. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it just wiped it out for yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you're right. Market cycles, startups, it's cyclical. But After this bubble bursts, which might be next year or it might be in five years, do you think it's going to be like after 2000? Or do you think that what's been built is strong enough that it's going to continue? Yeah, but basically, we remember the you know, dot com bubbles. There is a small fragile exists, but I think that、uh, next 10 years there will not be dot com like super bubble. <laughs> So, maybe some ups and downs, but long term trend is going yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. You know, looking at the financial side of the startup ecosystem,、yeah. what do you think is kind of the weak point, or what would you change? In Japan, these 10 years, Japanese funds get money through the internet service or software kind of the business. Not really, really. Technology based service. So, in my feeling, Japanese venture capital fund is a little bit reluctant to invest on the technology business. So, so you're saying like things that are relatively low risk,、uh, like SaaS companies, where you know in no, six yeah, months yeah, whether yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you made、okay. a good decision. So, what would be like a technology company? Like life sciences or? Life sciences also, or IoT kind of the hardware. So,、uh, even in the internet, low level hardware、oh, okay. based or middleware based technology. 
a little bit difficult to you know evaluate and uh, difficult to you know they uh, the Japanese fund does not like to take the technology risk. <laughs> Do you think that's because of general risk aversion in Japanese business, or do you think that's because so many VCs are only finance people and they don't have technology expertise or marketing expertise? Uh, I heard that some people say that, uh, you know, early, early 20s, some Japanese uh, independent venture capital invest on the you know, technology area, but it's past. <laughs> well, it, it is high risk. It is. But that's a shame because the fundamental research that's being done in Japan mm -hmm. is incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost a cliche. Everyone in the world knows that Japan produces amazing basic research, but has a lot of difficulty turning that research into products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yes. And maybe a big part of it is just the VCs aren't giving them the money to allow them to attempt it. Yeah, regarding to the, you know, such kind of the, you know, hardware technology or, you know, technology investment, the old style Japanese VC is better. For example, Jafco, I like that. Jafco investment, Cyberdyne. By the time a company gets that big, it's very easy to invest in. Mm. I mean, you can, you've got fairly reliable growth. Yeah. You can, you can model the company financially. Mm-hmm. Whereas an early stage startup, like a SaaS startup, you can still kind of model it financially and invest a little bit. But a new technology company, yeah. you, you can't do that. <laughs> oh, it takes money. Yeah, it takes, it takes money and kind of takes gut money. feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah, gut feel is also important. But actually, the money, money is the most important. Because, you know, for example, SaaS type business, we can you know, make a prototype very cheap, almost no money. But, you know, in a hardware area, we need one million at least yeah. to make some, you know, prototype. You travel quite a bit between the U.S. and Japan and, and well, globally, really. We were just chatting in Berlin two weeks ago. <laughs> what do you think is the most important thing that Japanese startups should learn from U.S. or global startups? We, Japanese entrepreneurs, have a very strong internal pressure to go global. But it was very hard. We had a very hard time go global. My language is one of the problems. And also, U.S. is very difficult place, very competitive place to do IT business. So Japanese people tend to think that uh, do business in U.S., imagine that uh, go global. But I think U.S. is one of the most risky places. <laughs> it certainly is one of the most expensive places. Yes, exactly. But there's uh, another options, or Asia, or uh, Europe. Uh, I, I've noticed a lot of Japanese startups are going to Asia. Southeast Asia is their first part of global expansion. Uh, Wantedly, one of your investments recently opened up in Singapore, right? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. So maybe don't focus on the U.S. so much. Look it, at global it markets. It depends. It depends. Yeah. For example, Smart News is now doing a U.S. business, and uh, it's very, it depends. But uh, Let me ask you about Japan as a whole. So we can look at the economic numbers and talk about how fast venture capital and startups are changing, we can look around and see, point to specific changes that these startups are making. 
But you and I kind of live in a, a startup bubble in Japan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most of our friends are entrepreneurs or yeah, VCs. Yeah. Do you think that the attitude towards entrepreneurship and startup founders in particular is really changing in broader Japanese society? Uh, totally changing. Totally yeah. changing. I feel that, yeah, because I remember when I was a university student and trying to do my business at that time, everybody believed that, you know, doing own business is kind of the dropout. Yeah, you the know. idea was you, you couldn't get a good job, so you had to do your own. Yeah, so we studied at pretty nice uh, university and after graduated there we can go to the you know very famous japanese companies like sony or honda or toyota it was easy but we tried to get out from that lane so everybody sees that uh, you know, that's drop out <laughs> negative things yeah. negative things but now the university student do business nice Maybe 50% of people think that it's nice. <laughs> Why has it changed? What's been responsible for the change? Uh, maybe there are many young entrepreneurs emerged. So just role models? and, <laughs> and Let me dig down a little more on that because to me it seems so. But you know, my, my viewpoint is so biased on this. So, so much of... How much of that admiration is about money and the story of relatively young people making money quickly? And how much is a shift? And what I mean is that, so one status in Japan is very, very much dependent, not so much on, on the person you are, but the family you come from and the organization you represent. Yeah. It's not just you, it's your, your group d determines your status. Yeah. yeah. And that's why a university professor or a manager at a, a top-tier Japanese firm will have much more social status than someone who got rich mm -hmm. trading mm -hmm. commodity futures. Mm -hmm. So have you seen a shift where these entrepreneurs, these founders are being respected and given social status because of what they've achieved or what they've tried to do or simply because they've succeeded and made money? Both. Both. Yeah? Both. 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 Totally. For my generation, we are kind of stranger. When I was starting my own business, it dropped out. When I joined the McKinsey and Company in 1996 before studying the DNA, at that time, some people know McKinsey, but not super famous relative to Sony or like that. Really? Okay. So every time I choose strange, strange, Strange. And after that, situation's changed. So now there's not as much social pressure on people who choose a strange career yeah, path. Yeah, that's uh, for for me and uh, for my friends. We are kind of you know really socially risk taking. <laughs> but now it's not so social risk taking to do uh, startups. True. Two things. Not so strange come to the entrepreneur community. Entrepreneur is almost common things. Normal people join the startup ecosystem. So startup ecosystem's average quality is getting normal. <laughs> I think that's good things because, you know, 
the size of the startup committees become big. Yeah. Have you seen the same shift in the the venture capital community? Angel investors were not traditionally particularly respected yeah. within the VC community. Yeah. Again, the status of VCs was always how big of a fund is this person managing? It was very very easy to measure. Yeah. Has that changed? Are VCs appreciative of what angels bring to the ecosystem or is that hierarchy still in place on the finance uh, side? Yeah, the VC and the angel investor, we have you know very good collaborations because for VC, very early stage investment is risky. So the, some venture capital introduced me some very early stage things. Then I take risk and after several years, that company became, you know, qualified. Again, I will ask them to invest again. <laughs> so that kind of collaboration exists. So now the relationship is very not good okay. with VC and angel investors. No so, problem, basically. So it's an understanding of the role each plays yeah, in the ecosystem. Uh, uh, uh. Excellent. Well, listen, before we wrap up, I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question. <laughs> And that is, if I gave you a magic wand and I told you you could change one thing about Japan, anything at all, the education system, the legal system, the way people think about risk, anything to make things better for startups in Japan, what would you change? Uh, birth rate. The birth rate? Okay. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> You think one of the big problems is the the demographics we're yeah, facing? Yeah, yeah, that's serious. That's serious. Most of the things, I think, yeah. And, and do you view that problem more as in the the cost of maintaining an aging population or from uh, an innovation perspective? Both, both, everything, everything. The market will shrink. It's very serious situation. But as a global people, human being, I don't know it is really bad things or not. Because this is a social trend that the country is developed. Yeah, all and developed countries. Is, yeah. yeah, Japan is just one of the more severe examples. Yeah, yeah. But it is interesting because I think that with an increasing population, you get a bit of free GDP growth. With a decreasing population, you get a penalty, a shrinking of GDP. But the other component is productivity increase. Mm. It's an interesting question to wonder whether increases in productivity, whether it's robotics and automation or AI, will offset the shrinking population. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So this is a, you know, another aspect of problem. In a short term, birth rate is most important trigger. But for you know, very long term, it is a kind of the, you know, shift to change of the civilizations. Yeah. Maybe. But it's certainly safer to have a, a growing population. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, Shoga, thank you so much for sitting down with thank me. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And we're back. Shogo's story of DNA's partner strategy with Recruit Holdings provides a really important lesson for all startups. A partnership with a large firm seems like a great way to open doors and gain access to large enterprise customers that the startup could never reach on their own. And hey, 
Sometimes it really does work out like that, but most of the time it does not. In fact, the more innovative your product or service is, the harder it will be for your partner to sell it. Your partner's sales force will be able to understand and explain small improvements and minor variations in workflow. But if you've got something unique, something that requires the end user to think or behave differently, something that could bring them an order of magnitude gain, well, you'll have a very hard time communicating that message when it's being filtered through your partner's enterprise sales force. Also, it'll come as no surprise to you that we here at Disrupting Japan have a particular interest in how disruption takes place in Japan. Shogo's explanation of how DNA, after it found significant success, could not pivot to counter threats from new startups with new business models is something I've seen happen again and again in Japan. We've had other founders come on the show and tell similar stories. Even when the original founders are still at the helm, even when they see the disruptive change coming, even when the new market disruption is happening only a few years after they themselves were the initial disruptors, they are still unable to make the changes needed to survive this disruption. Unfortunately, neither Shogo nor I have any solid advice to the companies to prevent this from happening. But Shogo's advice as an investor was good. In these situations, always bet on the startup. If you've got an idea about how companies can survive disruptive innovation, Shogo and I would love to hear from you. I mean, we really would. So come by disruptingjapan.com slash show097 and tell us about it. When you come to the site, you'll see all the links and resources that Shogo and I talked about and much, much more in the resources section of the post. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.